And like Harriet this morning, I asked the Lord, I had, no, I'm not going to cry actually, but I. Uh, get my head on this, okay. Is that better? Can you hear me? Um, you would? Okay. Um, I asked the Lord for a word last night, and nothing came. And uh, But at lunchtime, um, I sat in the room upstairs and waited and waited and waited, and still nothing came. But what I kept hearing was, come up to the podium and wait and, and share perhaps what, uh, why you're here, you know. Um, well, I'm English, you can tell that from my accent. Um, my wife Sue is in the back seat there, who's American. We met back in 1998, 1997 on America Online. We were pen pals and wrote to each other. We came to this country in 98. And we've been married nine years now. Um, I suppose... I don't want to go through a really long testimony kind of deal, but to say that there were people in my workplace when I first came to America who were patient in their work in a sense that I was never patient. I was a kind of run around, make everything happen kind of thing in my strength, my, 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 make it all happen. And uh, they were really patient. I didn't know why they were patient. And uh, I, there was a couple of guys in particular. I just asked them, obviously had a relationship with them at work, and they said... We're patient because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard all that baloney before, like, you know. And uh, they got me to reading the Gospel of John. And uh, at the same time, I was reading a book written by Larry, the CNN guy, along with a rabbi about prayer. And, And over time, I thought, well... All these people can't be wrong. Having read through the Gospel of John, I thought, it, I just thought, well, you know, this is like overwhelming evidence out there. I, I may not understand the whole Bible, but there's enough there for me to make a decision. So, around end of November 2001, um, I got laid off from my job. Perhaps that could have been a sign. And uh, I made it in my thinking, I'm making a decision for Jesus Christ. And uh, I think the following year, we joined a church. Sue joined me at that church. We went through many alphas. Uh, you've heard, some of you have heard of the Alpha program, perhaps. We went to Alpha at a church, and I did a several alphas. And then my wife joined me at one, and then I believe my wife renewed her faith. And uh, I think from November 2001 through about October 2004, I started to notice as I joined yet another job because the Lord had given me so many jobs I was just blowing them left, right and centre you know, thinking there's always one better over the hill you know. and uh, I joined this new workplace and a pastor took me under his wing in the workplace and mentored me because I really didn't know the word I was in and out of Bible studies being busy for the Lord you know, like we are and, uh, and he st- started to mentor me and asked me what had really changed in my life and when I reflected on five years in the Lord, nothing had really changed. I was still doing the same old stuff. And uh, so I, uh, 2005, I got desperate before the Lord and asked the Lord, please help, show me yourself more closely. Let me draw myself close to you. I don't know how to do that. I just don't know. Teach me to pray. Maybe praying is the answer. And I came across a 
a video on the internet through a website called Fire on the Altar, and it's old sermons with background music. And uh, there was one in particular called the Revival Hymn. I listened to that over and over and over. And there was a gentleman on there by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. Perhaps some of you have heard of him, an English gentleman. And uh, I believe he went on to be with the Lord in the last maybe 10 years. And uh, I liked how he sounded because he sounded like where I came from. And he talked about uh, how the church had somewhat gone and lost its own, lost its own way kind of thing. And uh, I listened to the, what he had said. And he, in his video testimony at his house back in the 70s, he had a TV crew come around and interview him. He uh, participated in, like, I think, annual revival conferences somewhere. And uh, I started to take apart his videos and take out all of the advice offered. The first piece of advice was a lady by the name of Jackie Pullinger, who I believe is also an English lady, and she went from the Royal School of Music in London to uh, the, the Far East and waited for the Lord to tell her where they got off. And she, um, she went to Hong Kong and to the walled city there, and she worked in the, she was the Lord's presence with uh, prostitutes and, uh, and drug addicts and such like. And there was another um, person mentioned on there. It was a gentleman by the name of John Sung, uh, a man of great prayer. And the third guy mentioned was Norman Grubb. <coughs> and I thought, who's this Norman Grubb check? Another English guy like myself. I thought, this is kind of cool, right? Um, and... Uh, so I started searching on the internet for Norman Grubb and came across a Norman Grubb website run by somebody called Dee Dee Winter. Is that right? I remember those times. And I got myself signed up to the list. And then uh, I bought a bunch of uh, Norman's books from the internet and started reading them. And then Dee Dee told me about this conference that goes on every year. And I came to this conference last year. And I was reading Norman's book. I think it was like, Who, I, who, I, who Am I? Okay, and Norman in there says somewhere, in one of, I'm not sure which book it does, he says about, I wanted a more fuller experience of Jesus Christ. And I, th- and I came here to this conference, and I saw people who were, you know, in union with Christ. And I said, I want this for myself. I want it desperately. And uh, I left here. I came here last year knowing, not knowing why I had to be here. I just knew I had to be here. And I saw people who were alive in the Lord, and I didn't have that for myself. And I, and I bought this book here, The Rest of the Gospel. And it was on a table over there. And some guy said to me, you've got to, you've got to read this. It's really good. Well, I bought a copy, took it home with me, got lost. I ordered three more copies from eBay. They got lost too. Something, yeah. And uh, so eventually I got around to reading it in about late November 2006, by which time I was very, very desperate. Um, I remember phoning my wife when she was away on a business trip saying to her that I can't find Christ that these guys know about. And I was on my knees groveling with my eyes out and told my wife, you know, I've got to, I've got to know. I've got to know. And uh, I was like, maybe there's no point in carrying on. You know, if I can't have all of it, I don't want any of it. You know, like, let's, let's do away with myself. December 15, 2006. Bang! You know, this like, ah, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. <laughs> All right, okay, well. But you know what I really got was a chapter in this book here, and as I was reading through it, and I put here, I sort of scribbled through the whole book, prayed through the whole book, scribbled all over the place, 
And there was a uh, Dan had said on one of these uh, chapters here about being poured out for others, that that we exist alone to be poured out for others. We're just vessels. And I didn't get that. I heard all the words before, but I didn't understand it. I just didn't get it. And then, you know, 15th of December, like overnight, it just became like, I just transformed overnight. And I haven't been the same since. It's like this constant peace and joy in the Lord and not knowing, I don't know how it works, but, you know, it's just the coolest thing, you know. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I've got to buy lots of these books and I've got to save everybody in Kansas City, starting with the pastors, okay, because, you, know, you know, they really need helping. And then we invited you guys down in, was it April, June time? And you guys came. But between, uh, between Illumination or Revelation, December 15th, and you guys coming down, even though we bought books to share with people, God showed me that, you know what, it's all in my timing. No matter how much desire you've got and a burden for the pastors in the city, because you can do every program you like under the sun, but if you don't know who Jesus Christ is and who Jesus Christ is in you, you're not going to make all the right choices and decisions. Everything you do is all going to be mechanical before you, before you really see him for who he is and who he is in you. And uh, so I, I, I just kind of found out by then, even though I'd bought 50 books uh, through, uh, through Tom White, uh, and we shared them with small groups and such like that. You know, I, I, I'm really burdened by the church. Uh, um, Dan says in here something about were fruit to be picked off the shelf by people that, when the right time is, or were ambassadors. If I could just read uh, uh, one or two paragraphs, if that's okay with you. It's uh, from the section called Poured Out. Some of us are ambassadors to those outside the kingdom. They are going to tell people about the kingdom. Some are ambassadors to those inside the kingdom. Their work is to be an encourager to speak the truth of the unseen and eternal realm to a brother or sister whose vision is temporarily blocked or blurred. That's my job. I'm supposed to speak to people inside the kingdom. Okay, that's where my burden is. And uh, it says here, the world God has sent you to, to be an ambassador, is your individual world. Don't worry about some place you can't get to. He has you in your place, in your midst, everywhere, your workplace, your family, your neighborhood. That's your world. Even within your town, your world is the people and the situations you come into contact with. If God wants you somewhere else, he'll get you there. Because at one point, I thought I was supposed to be in Africa, you know. But, you know, this all made perfect sense very quickly. Um, If he wants you to be interested in something else, he'll find a way to get you interested in something else. Right now, you could ask yourself, what does God have me interested in? For me, that interest is technology. Technology has the means to communicate the gospel in our generation and in our younger generations who are plugged into iPods like crazy. That's why this stuff is so good. We, a book's cool, but you know what? Most people nowadays don't have time to read a book. You get this stuff out on the Internet, just watch this space and see what happens, the young people around us. What does God have me interested in? Those will probably be the very things you're currently doing. Whom does God want me to know? The very people you know. That's your world. Operate in it. It isn't you, it's him. It's God. That's the holy wink. It looks like you, but it's God operating in you. Last paragraph. 
God through us is only interested in what's best for the other person. Beloved, get that straight. Christ through you is not interested in what's best for you, and that was really hard for me to take on 15th of December in the evening. Christ through you, as he is using you, is only interested in what's best for the other person. And I write that again, what's best for the other person. And I didn't get that. I just didn't get it. And now I get it. It's like amazing. Um, so I'm here right now doing what I do best, I suppose, and that's messing around with technology and recording stuff and sharing it with you wonderful people. And I thank you for listening to me, blah, 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 and putting up with me and making me feel okay. It's not so bad standing up here, is it? 